I will not back down. I will not back down. I will not back down from my mission as a PhD chiropractor. These guys gave me this, hello? These guys gave me this mission. I have the good fortune of being taught by Dr. Larry Webster, <coughs> the founder of the International Chiropractic Pediatric Association. I have a good fortune of him being my pediatric professor. As a matter of fact, the 10th quarter class that I teach right now was his class. So I am standing in some really big footsteps. Uh, and then I had the good fortune of meeting Dr. Jeannie a couple of years later, 1993, and she put the fire in me along with Dr. Webster, to really start taking care of kids because the kids are our future. If we don't take care of the kids, who's gonna? And there is nobody, nobody, nobody out there taking care of the kids the way we do, the way we do. There's plenty of people taking care of kids. There's plenty of people making a lot of money off of kids, but there's not a lot of people really taking care of what the kids need. So every talk I give, I dedicate to Dr. Webster, who was my friend and hero before he passed away in 97. That's him adjusting my son, Palmer, um, way back in 1995. And then to Dr. Jeannie, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago also, who another hero and mentor of mine and really instilled the fire of chiropractic in so many people, especially uh, people who are female, uh, just to show that you can do it all, you can have it all. You can be an amazing chiropractor and have an amazing family. She has six home births. I mean, this woman was unbelievable. And I missed them both terribly. But I dedicate all my talks to them because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here for sure. But I want to just tell you a story, what I mean by I won't back down. You see, for years I've been taking care of kids ever since I first started, uh, you know, when I graduated in 1989. But my practice really started taking off in 93, 94, 95 when Webster and Jeannie were starting to kind of be my mentors. <coughs> and for years I took insurance because insurance paid pretty well. I just have to write a couple of things and send off the stuff. But then around like 2010, 2011, I started getting these interesting little letters back from some insurance companies telling me that what I was doing with kids was experimental investigation. And they were telling me like, like here, this is from uh, uh, Cigna. This says here, any treatment technique or procedure not listed are considered experimental investigational. So you see, activator cox, diversified constant, safe SOT, Thompson. Those are their approved methods. Where's Webster's? It's not there. Where's network that I use extensively with my special needs kids? It's not there. Where's bioenergetics? It's not there. Where's a lot of the techniques that I use on the special needs population or the pregnant female? Not there. So I was sending in my insurance forms, and they were telling me that what I'm doing is experimental investigational. I'm getting results. They're telling me it's experimental investigational. After years and years and years of, from 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, finally I started getting this kind of information saying, spinal relation for these non-muscular skeletal disorders is considered experimental investigational. Asthma, ADHD, autism, uh, dysmenorrhea, hypertension, infantile colic, arterial stress, otismia. That's like most of my practice. So I started getting zeros and zeros and zeros and zeros. And I said, you know what? I'm not backing down. I know I can 
and say, that pain, neck pain, headaches, whatever, I do something like that. But I'm not going to do something like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I don't want insurance anymore. So in 2015, I closed the door. I said, fine, that's the way you want to play? I won't back down. I won't back down. You guys can play your games, in other words, the insurance companies. Sigma, you can play your game. Aetna, United, Blue Cross, Humana. You guys can play your games. I'm playing my game without you. And my practice grew, and I'm making more money now than ever before, and I don't take insurance. I didn't back down. Not to say you can't take insurance, right? I'm not saying you should never take That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for me and my practice, I'm not backing down. And nobody's going to tell me how to take care of a kid. Nobody's going to tell me I can't do rapture on somebody. Nobody. So when someone else who doesn't even know me, who doesn't even know my patient, is telling me what I can do and can't do with my patients, I say, goodbye. I don't need you. And even though it was like a scary kind of decision, but my patients accepted it, and I made it worthwhile, and I made it affordable, and that's how you don't back down. And that's what today's whole talk is about. And this, this guy, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Bill Estep, uh, from uh, Patient Media. If you haven't ever heard him talk, or don't get his newsletter, he's got a great newsletter, he's got some great books out there, he speaks a lot of seminars. He's not a chiropractor, but he's been an amazing chiropractor patient for years and years and years. And at the last uh, ICPA conference in 2018, he did this talk that I thought was super cool, and it was called Disruptive Chiropractic. And I took some very copious notes on it, as I do with all the things. I can't help myself to be like so studious. And he said chiropractic is disruptive. It doesn't treat anything. It doesn't require prescription. It's natural, it's safe. It's respects the wisdom of the body. He said chiropractic is a healing art. It's not a medical subspecialty. It unleashes healing. It doesn't treat conditions. It's based on science, not a cult of placebo. It's founded on tone, not based on symptoms. It's about the nerve system, not about the spine. I want you to, I'm going to stop. You're going to hear me say this. When you, when you take me in class, you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again. Chiropractic is not about the back. Now, I may happen to touch the back, right? I may happen to adjust the spine, but the whole idea of chiropractic is not about the back. And that even goes, I mean, I'll show you a little bit later on another slide. It's all about tone. It's all about the nerve system. It is a giant mistake to lay, to say, my hands are going to fix your back. No, they're not. Their innate intelligence is going to fix their back or whatever subluxation issue is going on. That's what's really happening. Well, now, you happen to put your hands there, so that's your way in. The back is just a doorway. The spine is a doorway in. It is not what you're doing. And we need to get that as, as a chiropractic profession. We need to grow up and understand that. That's, that's what we're trying to do, is we are trying to reach in. I am a brain and nerve system specialist. I am not a back doctor. <clears throat> I love that he said that. Uh, we're, what we do, specific justice, not general liberation, what we do is we deal with the person who happens to have a problem, whatever that problem is, not the problem in the person. And I, I remember sitting there, listening to, to the step, and I was like, this is brilliant. And then all of a sudden, I don't know about you guys, but you're going to see this is going to start happening to you as you go on in your education. I got a list myself 
of mind-like things, mind-disruptive pediatrics. And I said, this is good. Disruptive content, I like it. How about disruptive pediatrics? I like that idea. So I came up with my own top 10 list right there in that seminar. <clears throat> and I've been working and working and working on it, now writing an article uh, for a Pathways magazine about this. And that's what this is. This is like the Pathways magazine article you're going to read in maybe a couple of months. Uh, that's what this is, this basic outline for it. So how can we be, how can we as PhD chiropractors be disruptive? Number one, this is one of the most important things that Dr. Webster told us. Kids are not little adults. He used to cringe when people said, well, how do you take care of a kid? Well, you just kind of take the gospel and just make it a little smaller. <laughs> no, the reason that we have a whole ICPA that I speak for around the world is because Pediatric chiropractic is as different to regular chiropractic as Gossett is to Thompson. Right? They're both fabulously important, they're both really, really necessary, they're both amazing adjustments, but they're not the same. You can't say a Gossett adjustment is the same as a Thompson adjustment, it's the same as an activated adjustment, it's the same as a best adjustment. Every adjustment's different. Well, pediatric chiropractic is not the same. When you take my advanced technique class, which is an elective, which by the way, you don't like to ever see more electives than any other place in the planet. We have three pediatric electives. No other chiropractic school has that. The most in that chiropractic school is one. So we have three. So when Webster said, kids are kids and we adjust them very differently, I want to teach you that. In the advanced technique class, I want to teach you that. If you take my ICPA seminar, it's coming up in a couple weeks, I'm going to teach you how to do even more advanced stuff, especially network and best, which are my two favorite adjustments for the specialties population. That's what we, what, what we do is different. You have to take care of kids in a different way than you do with adults. <clears throat> Pitch chiropractic is a whole different model. There's Webster again. It's not an adult adjustment on a smaller body. It's an entirely new skill set. That's why you guys are taking this ICPA series here at the, at the you know, at, at club. That's why you guys are going to ICPA seminars, because it's an entirely new skill set. And don't let people talk you out of it. I have people all the time, you don't need to take care of it. I just take care of kids the way I take care of adults. It's the same kind of thing, just less. No, don't let people talk you out of it. It is a whole different skill set. If that's the way they want to practice, when I practice that way, I'm a judgment-free person. I don't care what someone does, what someone thinks. I don't care what everyone does to like mine, but I'm practicing my way, and my way is specific to that kid. That kid, not all kids, not dumbing it down like this for everybody, but every kid gets a specific adjustment, but that kid for their particular issues, for their tolerance, for their particular condition. <clears throat> and even way back when, this started, people said, oh, it's just a new thing, it's just, so Webster come, you know, he just created this thing, and Gene really just pushed it out there, and, but you know, it's just ridiculous. This is 1924, guys. This is a green book, volume three, right? This is a green book, so this has been around forever. Almost 100 years they've been talking about pediatric chiropractic. <clears throat> Number two, we focus on a whole child. What we do in ICPA is salutogenic. I don't know if you ever heard that term. A lot of the ICPA speakers probably use that term if you've been to some seminars. Salutogenic means you can always get healthier. You can always get healthier. Versus allopathic means we focus on sickness. We, we fix the, the broken part. Salutogenesis means we take the person wherever they're at and make them healthier, and healthier, and healthier, and healthier. And there's nothing else in the planet that I know of that can really do that, right? Because you go to a, a regular medical doctor, not to say it's wrong or bad about it, you go to a regular medical doctor, 
And they'll, they'll say, are you sick? No, I, all right, well, let me check your blood pressure, check your temperature, you seem fine, right? And they do nothing to you. But the cool thing is the chiropractic adjustment, every time you come in, we give this another deposit, I, this is how I explain to my patients, is a deposit into the health bank account, another deposit, another deposit, another deposit, we want to deposit health into their bank accounts. And you can always get richer. You can always make more money. You can always get more money. You can always get more health. But that's not the allopathic model, right? The allopathic model is about sickness. We only, we wait for something to be broken to fix it. No, what we want to do is once, if, even if someone comes in and they're broken, quote unquote, we want to help fix them and then maximize them. Maximize their potential, maximize their abilities, maximize whatever we can do with them. That's our goal. Number three, we are patient-centered, not technique-driven. If, if I have a child in my practice and that child in my practice does not want to lie down, that doesn't matter to me. That's what I'm going to teach you in my advanced technique class or in the ICP seminar in a couple weekends. In my, I have a rheumatism, less is more, gentle is the new strong. I want to take care of the child where they are at. Where they are at. Here's an example. Happened last night. We had a, 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 a twins on the spectrum. And one of the twins is a person born as a female. And generally people born as females, if they're on the spectrum, they're way worse than people born as males because men have XY, right? So we're already kind of at a disadvantage. But, but the, the, uh, uh, those born as a female, they have two X's, which usually is very protective. So if that protection mechanism didn't work, then it creates a bigger problem. So the little boy, uh, the person born as a man, he lies down, he, I adjust him, I use the vest, and I use sustained contact and cranial and all these other kind of cool things that I'll teach all of you in some of my classes or ICPA seminar. And he's very compliant and he turns all over and he listens very well. His sister is not like that. His sister is flapping like this, leaning on my face like this, and rolling on the ground or whatever. And what you have to do is you have to know how to reach Right? A child on the spectrum needs to be reached. And don't ever tell me, don't, I don't ever want to hear out of your mouths that they can't talk. They sure can talk. It's just they don't talk my language. It's just like if I was in France and said, well, they're not talking because they're talking French. Well, of course they're talking. They're just talking French. Right? She's talking autism spectrum language. Right? That's her language. is flopping like this. So I go over to her and I take her hands and I start compressing them. Like this, and I go, and I lead her to the chiropractic bench, and I sit her down like this, and you can see her just like going, and then she lies down on the bench, and I do most of my adjustment, and then she sits up, and I finish off, and the mom is like, she, she really likes being here, she must really like you, I don't know what it is about you, but she really likes you, and you know what it is? I talk her language. I talk autism, right? And that's something that you all can learn. It's not something that I have this magic gift for. You learn it. You learn how not to be afraid of a person on the spectrum, how not to be afraid of someone with ADHD, how not to be afraid of someone with back pain, whatever it is. You learn the language and you talk their language, right? Now, for someone on the spectrum, it's not a verbal communication. It's a non-verbal communication. I look in their eyes. And yes, they do have eye contact if you don't have to have eye contact with them. But you have to have the right touch, right? And you have to go into their little brains. 
And that's what I mean by patient-centered, not technique-driven. If you're technique-driven, not that this is bad or wrong, so I'm not saying that, but if you're technique-driven, then you say, mom, hold down her head, uh, intern, hold down her feet, crash, crash, crash. How do you think that's gonna go over? Right? Uh, <clears throat> for a kid like that, that's like putting an atomic bomb in their nervous system. Right? We want to go into their nervous system gently. You know, my technique is love. Love, serve, give out of abundance. That's my technique. So if I want to love this child, this little youngster who's flapping away like this and all over the place, I can't approach her the same way I approach her brother. I can't approach her the same way I approach her mother. Every person has to be different. And that is what we need to learn, is that every child, every adult needs to be approached differently. It's not it's not very much bump the bump the bump bump the bump the bump. You know, we could do that. You could say that's a chiropractic adjustment. But that's not really an adjustment, right? That's that's manipulation. Right? An adjustment to me is tailor-made for that particular person. Are you working on that? Are you learning that kind of stuff? That's what the ICK teaches you. <coughs> Here's a particular child, another one <coughs> I'm talking about. This child, when he first came into the practice, <coughs> he could not sit down, he could not talk, he could not do anything but sit in front of this thing. This is all he, he couldn't sit on the bench, he couldn't lie on the bench. All he wanted to do was sit and play in front of this particular toy. So, typical chiropractic office, pick him up, throw him on the bench, hold him down, adjust, adjust, adjust. He would scream, scream, scream. And then here's the thing that happens. When you adjust a child like this, and they get mad, the next time you come in, how much do they weigh in a car seat? They now weigh 1,000 pounds. You cannot evict them from that car seat. Because they go, and those of you who are parents, and you know if you have a mad child, and they're in a car seat, you can't get them out. You've got a 20-pound like kid who weighs like 150 pounds because they're just sitting there like this. It's amazing how much they actually can get themselves to weigh their, their inertia. Like can go asymptotically way, way, way up. So when you, so I said, okay, I don't care. I'll adjust them where he wants to be adjusted. So after like six weeks of doing this, we did a re-exam, and a lot of his cranial reflexes are better, and his eyes are getting better. And now when he comes in, he looks at me, and he smiles, and he waves. So we're really impressed. The mom keeps on coming another six weeks. Between in the second six weeks, now he starts to talk. Here's a child who's before had no communication, there's no words, now he starts to talk. And then six more weeks after that, now he gets to talk in full sentences. Because what's happened is his brain is being reprogrammed. Reprogrammed, but the re reason it's happening is because we're allowing it, right? I am going in with my special chiropractic adjustments to open up this little nerve system, but I am doing it in such a way that his body accepts it. That's the difference. That's the difference in a successful adjustment versus a non-successful adjustment. Is it are you doing it in a way that the person, whether it's an adult or a pregnant mama or a child or a senior, can accept it? If they can't, because remember, the adjustment's like a gift. I give Jordan this gift. If he does not accept this gift, then it really was never given, right? So I have to give Jordan this gift, and then he's got to accept the gift for it to make it a full exchange. But if you force the gift on someone and they don't accept it, then they're never the healing that you want to have occur will never occur. <clears throat> Number four, people want what we do that's different. <clears throat> that's why I'm so proud of what you guys for being here. Because ICPA is different. ICPA teaches different. 
We don't teach the same. It's easy to do the same. It's easy to go out, I'm telling you, it's easy to go out and have a bad pain practice. It's super easy. 80% of people, 80% of the time, will have some kind of back pain. So you can take care of a whole big boatload of people if what you focus on is back pain. And once again, no judgment. If that's what you want, that's totally cool. I'm uninterested. I just don't care. Not that I don't care that they back pain. Of course, but I didn't care. And we have patients who come in with back pain and we'll take care of them too. But the only reason I really take care of an adult with back pain is why? Because either they have kids or they don't kids, right? That's all I just bring the kids. That's really, that's all I really want. Everything else is sort of, <coughs> is a way we can get to the kids. So, but what they want is us to do something different. You know, if all you want to do is take care of back pain, tell them to take a Tylenol, right? I don't take care of the back pain, right? Put some ice on it, take the, if you look at the studies, right, if you research and look at the studies, chiropractic is about as effective in acute lower back pain of certain types as exercise and rest and ice. I don't care. I'm not interested. Now, hey, if I, if I have a back pain, I'll get adjusted for sure. But that's not my rationale. My rationale is I, I guess I, I had a withdrawal. I need another deposit. Let's get me another deposit in my health bank account because I need to get back up to balance again, right? So we want to do with something that's different. Don't do what everybody else does, because if you do what everybody else does, you'll get what everybody else gets, and you don't want that. You can go to chiropractic school for four years and spend 200 grand just to get what everybody else got, right? Because most chiropractors in this practice or in this world are barely making it. Most chiropractors are just struggling by seeing less than 100 visits a week. Look, read chiropractic economics. Less than 100 visits a week, they're struggling, 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 blah, 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 doing those negative things. I don't care. If you're chiropractic, that's not what we see. Because people want what we got. Right? We're seeing more new patients there before. Since the pandemic, right? Oh, man, another pandemic. Not us, man. Not, not you talk most of the ICPA docs. We're like, we're thriving. Because people are like, we are sick and tired of what's happening out there. We want what's going on in here. We want the oasis, right? Our chiropractic offices, our ICPA offices are oasises in a desert of God knows what that's out there. People want what's different. We want to celebrate our vitalism, our innate-driven perspective. We want to celebrate the above, down, inside out. Celebrate that, tell people this. Talk about it like that. Parents want to have healthy kids, right? And chiropractic is part of that answer. Understand that. That's an important distinction. We are part of that answer. We're not the only thing that's out there. Especially if you're dealing with a special piece population, you have better understand that you are only part of the team. Right? There are, I'm a chiropractor, but there's speech therapists, counselors, occupational therapists, they, you know, all kinds of stuff. These kids need a lot of different things. They need a lot of intervention. Don't think you're an island. And don't be insulted that they're going to OTs and PTs and they're like, of course they have to. Are you going to teach them how to talk? Are you going to teach them proper pronunciation? Are you going to spend an hour with them every time doing OT or PT with them? Of course not. Right? That's not your job. Your job is adjust, get out. Adjust, get out. Right? That, that's what, what Wes said. I mean, uh, Gossett said. Find it, fix it, leave it alone. That's my job. I go in, I do my thing, I turn on the light switch, I get out. I don't need to fuss with the light switch, right? Not that you shouldn't, right? That's what OTs do. They fuss with the light switch. Like, okay, fuss, fuss, fuss. Great, it's important. But I don't need to do that, right? I want to get in, turn on the light switch, get out, and let the body do its own work, right? And that's, but understand that you, you are going to be a part of the team. Every, uh, every child, especially on the spectrum, especially those children on the spectrum who are really challenged or more lower function, 
they need a team. And you would be, it would be very helpful for you to know wherever area you land, who should be your teammates. Who's the therapist you're going to refer? We have an ABA therapy place right up the road from us that I refer to all the time. We have a speech therapist that I refer to. We have occupational therapists that I refer to. I, I'm constantly referring back and forth because they need the team. And sometimes people come in and they, they don't even realize that the kid's on the spectrum and then they, over time they start to realize it and then they're like, now what do I do? I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll give you the resources. You talk to these people, you talk to these people, talk to these people. And those are the people I know and I trust. The ones that I refer to them, they'll refer back to me. I'll refer to them and, and they won't say, don't go back to that crazy chiropractor. Right? Because that happens out there still in 2021. So you have to be careful. You need to interview these people wherever you end up. <clears throat> number three is number six, focus on the brain and nerve system. Train on gentle pediatric specific adjusting skills and our brain and nerve system. This is why it's so important if you haven't started ICPA training, you've got to start the ICPA training. Now, I'm a speaker. I've been ICPA since 1993. When Webster officially formed it, I've been a Webster guru. He was my guru for years. So I can't help but steer you in that direction. There are other great organizations that teach pediatrics. I will not deny that. But I think ICPA is the best. And the reason I think it's the best is because we have 6,000 members. We are the largest non-political organization in chiropractic. So I feel that ICPA does the best, and I feel that we are centered and focused on brain-specific adjusting and gentle pediatric adjusting. I really like that. I like that we are focused on the kind of stuff that I have been focused on that Webster. Webster used to always say, if you can do it with less force and get the same results, why not? If you can do it with less force and get the same results, why not? I like that. He used to say, if you took a hammer, right, you could, and here's a nail, you could go, Bam! I could smash that thing in like this and break the table and splinter around. Or you go like this, ding, 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 ding. It may take a little bit longer, but now it goes in cleanly and it stays in easily and there's no collateral damage. Right? So I really like that thought of way he, the way he's talking about that. This is a cool thing. This picture here is a dissection of the nerve system. Done in 1925 at the Kirksville College of Osteopathy. It took two students 1,500 hours of dissection to dis dissect out the nerve system. We are nerve system specialists. We are nerve system specialists. So in clinic, in peak, in student clinic, don't talk about the weather, don't talk about the Braves, don't talk about all the other garbage, talk about the nerve system. Don't tell them, I'm gonna fix your back now. Let's fix your back. And then you're just, ooh, that was a good crack. That was a really good crack. No, 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 we are not, crack is not what we do, right? Crack is either a drug or something happens to an egg, but we don't do crack, right? <laughs> what we do is a specific nerve system realignment to change the way the brain and body function. Someone come, a little child comes into my practice and they are unable to either A, receive sensory information from outside normally in, or be unable to take what's in here and with their motor system bring it out. We want to normalize that system. That's what we do. We normalize that system. A person with back pain, same thing. A person comes in with back pain, they're either having abnormal sensory information from their back or whatever, this, whatever coming up into their brain, or they're having abnormal motor coming down and out. We want to change this. That's our whole point, is to change the way the nerve system is functioning. 
So to say that you are a back pain fixer upper is so limiting. Right? It's so limiting. All this, if all you're doing is back, like, like, look at where these nerves are going. They don't just stop here. They're going everywhere. They're going to every muscle, every organ, every tissue, every place. So don't sell yourself short. Because if you do, then you just do what everybody else does. And once again, there's nothing bad with saying, I'm a whiplash specialist or I'm a back pain specialist. Nothing wrong with that. If that's what you want. And that's cool. We need people who do a whiplash specialist and you know back pain fixer uppers and that kind of thing. That's great. But it's not what I do. And I don't want that. And I turn people away who, if that's all they want, they want. But we have people all the time saying, can you just uh, crack me? And I, I hear my CA saying, uh, we don't use that word. Uh, and oh, she put me on the phone. And, uh, I just want to, it's like, we have a whole system, right? You want to get, you want to be my patient, you need an exam, potentially x-rays if you're an adult with back pain, right? And I hear Pete her, her arguing the other time. She's like, uh, no, we have to take x We're going to have to do an exam. We cannot just, you can't just come and get adjusted. Not that it's bad or wrong. Once again, some places don't do that. That's fine. Whatever they want to do. I have no judgment. However, in my office is how we do it. And then they try to talk you out of it. You know, I get a phone, well, I just want to come in and get, I've been adjusted for years, and I just want to get adjusted. Well, that's the best last time I adjusted, what, two years ago? I'm like, so, so you've had like 600 and something days without getting adjustment, and you're getting adjusted all the time, right? Or my whole life? Well, yeah, once in a while, if I don't say that to them, but just in my brain, this is my brain thinking. And I say, I'm, I'm sorry, I appreciate what you're saying. I totally agree with that. However, the way you do it is this. Well, but I don't want to take extras. I don't want to get an exam. I just want to get a visit. Well, I appreciate that, but then our office is not the right office for you. And people are like, I, I interns, like, you're going to turn away a patient? You ain't kidding. I do it all the time. I don't, want, I don't want patients with fluidity problems. Problem patients don't work very well. We had another person come in. I, I don't want to pay this amount of money for the first exam. That's how much the first exam is. But I don't want to pay that. Well, I appreciate that. That's how much it is. Right? Do you bargain with your medical doctor? You go to the dentist and say, I don't. It, it costs $300 to get a tooth for. I only want to pay $100. The price right here is $300, right? I don't hear about that, but in chiropractic offices, we're allowed to have our patients like haggle with us, you know, as if we're like a used car salesman or something. No, this is the fee. The fee is the fee. I'm sorry. Well, I, I don't want to pay that. Well, how did you how did you find out about us? Why was it worth you? Well, that person paid that, right? I'm sorry. We have rules. And here's the thing. This is just a totally aside for practice management thing. If you let them tell you what to do, they're going to be a problem patient the whole time. Because they're always going to say, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? So I don't want that in my practice. Right? I, I'm like, you can go somewhere else. Let me refer you to some other really great chiropractors that you can complain to. <laughs> Understand why it's so important that we have nurse system specialists? Because one in five people in the U.S. have a mental health disorder. This is not my stats. This is not my stats. This is the CDC. This is government stuff. One has 51 million adults and 14.6 million kids have some sort of what they're calling mental health. I don't like that terminology, but that's what they call it. Mental health disorders, which means like kids, autism, ADHD, learning disorders, sensory processing disorders, auditory processing, whatever you know, kind of disorder you want to with adults, anxiety, depression, those are probably the two, the biggest one. Why is that important? Because you can build your practice on this. Do you get that? Right? Now, yes, there's a lot more people with back pain. I agree. Right? So if there's 350 million people, 80% of those have back pain, all of the adults, <coughs> at least, 
Yeah, you can, it's a, you can have a much bigger amount of people to, to go by, but if you can't build your practice on 14 million potential patients, I don't know what's wrong, right? And I have people all the time tell me, I just can't get kids in my practice. Well, who do you adjust? I just adults. Well, do they have kids? Yeah. Well, do they have grandkids? Yeah. What's the problem? What's the problem? The problem is you gotta ask. You gotta ask. Hey, you got kids? Yeah. You got grandkids? Yeah. Let's check. And well, why? Now, if you're only talking about back pain, it's very hard. Well, my kids don't have back pain. What do they need paraplegic for? But if you're talking about the brain and nerve system, even if it's a back pain patient, but you're talking about the brain and nerve system, it's an easy transition, right? And that's why this is important for you guys to understand. The brain and nerve system is the key to all this. <clears throat> Number six, the 33 principles. You've got to know these principles. You've got to read Stevenson's textbook. And I know Dr. Arcoke you know, talks about the principles and stuff. You gotta, you gotta learn from the source too, from Stevenson. <clears throat> One of the principles number six is modeling takes time. But especially the neurodiverse kids, especially the little ones who are neurodiverse, and neurodiverse is the latest term, instead of saying special needs, uh, the, the population doesn't like being called special needs anymore. So now they feel like it's, the preference is to say neurodiverse. So I will honor that for them. <clears throat> but why, why is that important? Because these special needs kids have different subluxations. They have very different subluxations than we do. Than a, a neurotypical child. Excuse me for a second. You'll see if you haven't had any class, <clears throat> I had a consolectomy when I was a kid <clears throat> that didn't work. So I have a scar in my throat. So I'm constantly like sucking water, candies, etc. So that's why I did that. Anyway, so disconnected kids, which is Dr. Bodo's term, disconnected kids have a different subluxation pattern, and they have subluxation that, that actually resists correction, which I never knew until I started adjusting more and more of these kids, that, that their subluxations have like, like tentacles that go in in a different way than, than a, a neurotypical child, you'll adjust them a couple times and they respond, they really respond very well. You have a kid on the spectrum, you adjust them, like uh, the next day, they'll adjust the subject to his order form. And I don't know why, the research hasn't been done on this yet, and it's, it's being done, but it hasn't been done yet, but they have a different subluxation pattern. Which is why my care plan for a special needs kid is like two or three times a week for like six months, eight months, a year, depends on where they are. Right, and they've got, so as an example, <clears throat> that boy that I just showed you before, the one who's sitting by the train, that was a six month care plan. If you expect that to happen in six weeks or six visits, it's not going to occur. Now, what let me say now? It might, it probably won't occur. It could, there are special cases here and there where amazing things do happen very quickly. But it's usually not the case because their subluxations are very resistant. They are very stuck. We just had another boy yesterday, <clears throat> the mom said, oh, on the weekend, on Saturday, here's a boy who's also, minimally speaking, he said 40 different words on Saturday. From minimally speaking to 40 different words, six months into his care. Six months is like the magic time to get stuck back. That's when the brain starts to say, I think it's supposed to be working this way. But it takes time, and you have to, you, have, you know why that's so important? Because if you don't teach your patients that it's gonna take six months, right? If you just say, oh, we're gonna adjust them, we'll see how it goes, and whatever, you don't tell them this is a long-term process, and they're gonna be irritated that it's taking so long. 
But if you set up the expectation, this is six months just to get started, then they understand. Right? So you need to teach them that. But when you're, see, if you're a bone doctor, if you're a backcracker, then it should be a couple of business. You should feel better. But when you're a brain and nerve system specialist, now we're talking pattern interruption. And pattern interruption takes a lot, lot, lot longer. It's like braces on teeth. Right? It's not drilling a cavity. It's like braces on teeth. Did, could you fix your teeth overnight? Or in a week or two with braces? No. It takes a year, two years, five years, right? Wearing retainers. It takes time. You need to educate people that it takes time to change a pattern. It takes time to change the way the brain or system works. Number eight, <clears throat> kids don't typically have a problem getting dressed. They have trouble leaving the office because it's so much fun. Patients, these little kids, they love being in my office. They have the greatest time. My interns and I and my staff, we just have fun them all the time. And they don't cry most of the time getting adjusted. They cry when they're leaving because they, they want to be there. We had this little boy yesterday. He loves it. I, I'm just, I just said, Mama, she's pregnant. And so he's been there for like a year, two months out of the room. And he loves coming in. And every time he leaves, he gets so sad because he wants to play because we love playing with him. I have another boy who's six years old or five years old, and he, he, he thinks he's a ninja. So every time he comes in, he's like taking the, <clears throat> we, we always save all the paper rolls. This is a great thing to do in practice. We save the paper rolls of that the hybrids comes on, and those are his ninja swords. They can also be telescopes, but we use them if he likes his ninja swords. And he cries when he leaves all the time, because he wants to play. He's like, can I take that sword home? And the mom's like, you have like 16 of these at home. He's like, but I want that one, right? Because they love, love, love being in our practice. <clears throat> Make it a place where kids can be themselves and celebrate for who they are. I want you to embrace your adversity. I want you to embrace everything. I want you to stop judging. Stop judging what people do, what they wear, what they say, what color the skin. There is no judgment in my practice. And that makes my place safe. It makes it safe because I don't care what you think, what you look like, what you say. It, I don't care if you scream your head off. It's totally okay in my practice. And that's how we make it. Right? A little baby cries and mom's like, oh my God, he's crying. It's fine. We see it all the time. Right? We see it. I, I, don't worry. It's totally fine. And they're embarrassed by it, but we teach them not to be embarrassed because it's okay. It's okay that baby's got separation anxiety and starts to cry. It's okay that your daughter is rolling on the ground because she's on the spectrum. And that's what she does when she's uh, you know, like a little nervous. We don't care, it's all good. Stop judgment, right? Stop judgment. Become a judgment-free person. Because when you do that, now you start, now you, you can attract everybody, right? So that's why, if you look at my practice, it is a whole, an unbelievable, diverse spectrum of all the different nationalities, all races, all colors, all creeds, all religions, everything in my office. It's like, it's like the, the, the melting pot <laughs> is my practice because I accept everybody. I don't care what is going on with them. We accept all cases because that's what it's all about. <clears throat> I love this quote from Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And what I want is in my practice, I want these kids, even if they admittedly speaking and cannot communicate with me with words, I want them to know I love them. I want them to know my staff loves them, my interns love them. I want them to know that. And I not just get it, I want them to know it. Like your mom said last night, I don't understand how come she loves being here. It's because I love her. 
I love them. I love all these kids. I love I love people. I love watching people turn into something different and, and blossom under our care. That's what I love. And that's what I, I want them to feel that whoever they are is exactly right. I don't care what's going on with them. So, so this little girl, she doesn't feel judged in my practice. She feels like it's okay for her to be herself. It's okay for her to roll on the ground and to yell and to it's okay for her to do all these kind of things because she knows that I love her. And she knows that I'm going to take care of her and I accept her for where she's at. That's what I want them to understand. Number nine, and there's PJ, chiropractic is a science, art, and philosophy. It's not one, it's not two, it's all three. Do not make the mistake, and I made this mistake when I was in school. I was, a guy, I was so focused on God that there was nothing else. Not that that's bad or wrong. But I, I, I did not study philosophy, I did not study science, it was all gospel. <clears throat> and it was good for tech, you know, technical wise, I was very good at justifying for my graduate. But that was a mistake. I didn't embrace the fact, this was because of Webster and Jeannie teaching me this. Chiropractic is all three, it's a science, art, and philosophy. And you can have all three of those. <clears throat> don't think that you, don't, you only can do two or one. You can master all three. You can become the most amazing technician, right, technique wise. Dostek or activator or network or whatever is your favorite technique, you can become a master of that. You can also become a master of philosophy by studying Greek books and listening to chiropractic podcasts and going to chiropractic seminars like DE or New Beginnings and really just taking all this kind of stuff in. You become a master of philosophy and you become a master of science. I read journal articles and textbooks like novels. So last week I was just telling my advanced diagnosis, my, my PhD diagnosis class, about an amazing article which you all should be reading. And it's, it's, it's in my podcast, this week's podcast, uh, about how colic might actually be a vestibular dysfunction instead of a GI dysfunction. Written by a chiropractor from the Netherlands. <clears throat> that was an amazing thing. You should be on these things all the time, all the time, constantly learning, learning all the new stuff, learning all the new ideas that are out there. It's a science, art, and philosophy. And look, here's the first two chiropractic textbooks, Barnett's Chiropractic and Didi Palmer's <clears throat> textbook. Textbook of a science, art, and philosophy. This is 1910, right? But so many people out there, especially so many people with, who are doing a lot of talking out there, say you should focus on this, you focus on this, focus on this piece. No, you gotta have all three of them. The real practice success that I see is someone who is able to marry all three of those pieces and be really good at science and art and philosophy. And here's BJ, chiropractic is a philosophy, science, and art of things natural. By the way, if you like podcasts, uh, I have a chiropractic podcast. Um, I have over 400 episodes. It's called Chiropractic. I can't believe this. I've been doing this for five something years. Um, if you're interested, it's Chiropractic. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on all, all over the place. Um, super excited to 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 share this kind of stuff with you guys. I've been a peak doc, by the way, since 2010. Uh, I went in kicking and screaming. I didn't want to be a peak doctor, but but my first. Uh, Pete Dobbs now Dr. Miranda Abbott from uh, Wisconsin. She convinced me to uh, to have her as a peak uh, uh, student, the first one. And since then, it's been wow ever since. So now we just uh, graduated our 76 peak student in you know 12 years or 11 years. And this is Dr. Heidi, who just graduated last quarter. She had 590 adjustments and 58 exams in my practice in two quarters. That's a lot. That's a lot, right? I have heard of some. Peak students not exactly experiencing that. Luckily, they get you know one tenth of that 
um, out there. But that's the kind of, so if anybody's interested in peak in my office, let me know. That's my email address, because I'd love to see you guys uh, in our practice so we can show you uh, and share with you this kind of stuff. And the last thing is number 10, kids are what they eat, how they move, and what they play. Their brain learns by movement. Eating is movement. Eating is movement. It may not look like movement. It is movement. And I don't just mean movement from getting the food from your hand into your mouth. I mean how the way the food has to move through your body. Eating is movement. So the brain learns by movement. If the, if the child is having some sort of uh, nutritional or GI dysfunction, there's something erroneous in their movement, in their nerve system, that's affecting their GI system. <coughs> we have to get them to, to play. We have to get them to move. So many kids are sitting all the time, looking at their phones, looking at their, you know, at their iPads, etc. We have to get them to move. Playing isn't playing Mario Brothers or Minecraft or Fortnite. That's not playing. That's not play. Play is playing sports, playing outside, playing you know, cars and trucks and digging in the dirt and, and uh, playing with dolls or whatever. That's playing. Playing video games is not playing. When someone says, I'm playing video games, you correct them and say, no, you're not playing. You're just doing. But that's not playing. <laughs> I ask you guys to embrace what I call disruptive pediatrics to embrace disruptive chiropractic. <clears throat> I ask you guys to really think about what we talked about today, because what we're talking about today is, the, is to me, the future of pediatrics, is to steer away from trying to be like everybody else, to steer away from what chiropractic has been for the last 120 something million years, and to go into a whole different place. To, and to step up, I would love to see pediatric chiropractic really step up to a whole new level, so that we can prove to the world how important it is that every kid on the planet, every kid in the United States, every kid born, every credit mama needs to get adjusted on a regular basis. But you know what has to happen? It's from you guys. It's from you guys. One person at a time, talking to one other person at a time, telling all your patients in clinic, bring your kids, bring your grandkids, telling Everybody you meet that you happen to talk about, if you do more than just like actually buy the groceries from them and you actually get a conversation and they start mentioning kids, are they in the capital care? They really should be. They really should be. It changes their lives. Right? And you just start the conversation one person at a time. And with all you guys in this room, right, each one of you talk to a couple of different people every single week. And every week and every week and every week and so on and so on and so on. And you can we can change this this room can change the world, right? It's not, nothing, Go, when, when the time is right, the world will change. When the time is right, <coughs> chiropractic will be fully embraced. Because you know, I graduated in 1989, we were seeing 7 to 10% of the population. How, what percent are we seeing now? 7 to 10% of the population, that stinks. That stinks. If we were Coca-Cola, we would have been out of business by now. Coca-Cola, what's Coca-Cola about this year? 43%. 43% people, if you ask them, what would you like to drink? 43% of people in the United States would say Coca-Cola. If you say to people in the United States, what should you do to make your kid healthier? You think 43% are going to say go to a chiropractor? I, I say if 7% go to a chiropractor, 7% of people, what's the percent of people would say you should go to a chiropractor for their kids? Probably less than 1%. How's it, how are we going to change that? 
change what we talk about chiropractic to our patients. Get away from the back pain, fix your upward model. That's not what we do. What we do is so much bigger than that. What we do is so much bigger than that. I will not back down for these kids. I will not back down. Until the day I die, I will not back down from taking care of these kids, from educating you guys about how to take care of these kids. This is my mission on earth. And I want you to have the same mission. Because like, you all know Under Armour, right? Protect this house, right? And we all wear, I got Under Armour socks on right now. We all know Under Armour, right? Protect this house. But that's just a shirt company, right? And shoes and socks and stuff, right? This is, I want to protect our house for this. Here's this one. I've adjusted her since she was in the womb also, and now she's five years old, and she's adjusting Mickey, and there's, and there's Minnie waiting to get adjusted right, with a chiropractor. This is the way it's supposed to be. If we want to <coughs> protect our future, we need to adjust more kids. It's, that's the bottom line. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your attention.